The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking in today and being present and joining me for this hour. This month, I've been doing some fun reading, and I guess you would call it in the vein of spiritual fiction. So last week, I had a great conversation with author Meryl Davids Landau about her new book, Warrior One. And today, I'm going to connect you with another author who has written a book that will appeal to women interested in yoga, spirituality, self-help, and the paranormal. You know, basically, a woman after my own heart. So if you're interested in all those things, you're going to love this book. Marla Martinson is the author of The Buddha Made Me Do It, as well as two other books. And she has her own business as a matchmaker and dating coach since 2002, as well as her own YouTube channel and podcast. She's been heard on the Today Show, WGN Chicago, KUSI San Diego, and over 100 radio shows, including Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. And you can find her online at marlamartinson.com. And yesterday I got a chance to talk with Marla on her YouTube channel, which was so much fun. So I was so glad that I have a chance to pay it back and have her on my show today. So Marla, welcome. I'm so glad that you could join me. Hey, Diane. Thanks for having me. Well, this is going to be so much fun because there's so many things that that we can talk about and just kind of chat over the course of the show. So if people want to join us, you know, we are live, (laughs) live and in person, 816-251-3555 is the number if it so moves you to join the conversation. So um, we are definitely going to talk about the new book that I just finished, The Buddha Made Me Do It, A Field Guide to Enlightenment, which is so fun. But I wanted to start out with your business and talk about your matchmaking, because it all kind of weaves into the story of the book. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that, about your matchmaking business, and how how do you even start that? It's like, how do you even get involved in doing that? Yeah, that, um, if anybody does, you know, is super interested and wants to read more about that, I've got the diary of a Beverly Hills matchmaker, and then the, the sequel, Hearts on the Line, where I really talk about how I left my job as a matchmaker at a Beverly Hills uh, firm for seven years and then ended up starting my own um, matchmaking business. But for 20 years from the age of 20, 1920, I I was um, an actress slash waitress. And I'm from Seattle, so I moved down to L.A. and I was doing TV commercials and print modeling and some little acting stuff here and there. I did end up um, I did quite a few commercials and stuff, but I ended up uh, working in restaurants more than I did, uh, you know, in front of the camera. So, <laughs> so when I was, uh, and I also lived in Chicago and did that too in the 90s. So when I was 39, my father, um, I was living in Chicago. He was in Orange County, and I found out he had terminal cancer, and it was absolutely devastating for me. I rushed back, uh, stayed in Orange County with my aunt, and uh, stayed with him. But then he died very 
quickly. And I was like, oh, my God. So I moved, had moved back to L.A., got a little studio apartment and thought, okay, well, here, now I'm back. Because I thought he was a little longer, so I moved back. And then I, I was sitting there on my, I was doing a little acting here and there. My money was running down, dwindling fast. And I sat on my little stoop of my Hollywood apartment with my little York three-pound Yorkshire Terrier Daphne, and I, I, could, I thought, Marla, you better get your butt up and go get a waitress job because you got to make, make some more money. I couldn't do it. I said, I cannot put on a waitress apron one more time. I'm almost 40. I can't be a 40-year-old waitress. It just, I'd done it for 20 years. I knew there was, there's got to be something more that I can offer the world. I just, it's just not my dream. I can't do it. And I just sit there, and, and uh, I met my now husband, Adolfo, at that time, and he introduced me to this woman, a friend of his, that was taken over the management position at a video dating service called Great Expectations. She says, hey, Marla, if you want to work for me part-time, you can still go on your auditions. And um, be, they, so I said, okay, great. So I worked with the singles, worked at the front desk. I was the videographer. Back then we did videos on these tr- tapes. I think they were eight-track. I don't know what they were. But, but they were these <laughs> these tape, you know the tapes and it wasn't on, right, online right. yet it was and videotaping them and uh, the dvr dvr or dvd dvd i don't know what it anyway i i, I felt like a um i felt like a producer or director you know making these little seven minute films on the singles and i'd ask them in what are you looking for in a woman what are you looking for in a man and they always had the same answers and so anyway i was really enjoying it and i thought gosh, because I was always a creative and I always had wanted to write a book. So I started keeping notes for a future book, which I did end up doing a couple dating advice books. And then um, from there, I ended up leaving and I went to a Beverly Hills matchmaking service, kind of a millionaire matchmaker where the men are paying and then they want the gorgeous ladies, you know. So I was recruiting. Then I got into matchmaking there. And then uh, in 2009, when the recession was in full swing, I, and I had a, a, like a take this job and shove it moment with my boss. It was a lot of culmination. You can read more in t- detail in, in uh, Hearts on the Line. But I ended up walking out, and I was like dead man walking up to my apartment door. I knew my husband was standing there waiting because I called him earlier. How in the world did you quit a good job in Beverly Hills with health insurance? You know, <laughs> and I was like, I had no choice. And so for a few months there, I was kind of looking on Craigslist for nine and ten dollar jobs just to tide me over. But nobody would hire me, even things I was perfect for or overqualified for. I couldn't get a job. But that was because the universe had something more in store, and very quickly. Many of the old clients that had worked with me previously over the last seven years started tracking me down and calling me and saying, hey, Marla, are you doing anything? I'd love to work with you. I want to hire you. Uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I told my husband, these guys want to, I don't, if I do my own thing, what if they complain? I have no boss to hand it over to. I, he goes, Marla, you know how to do this in your sleep. This is what you do. Take them on. So I, I, one day I got my butt in the car, drove down to Orange County to meet one of the prospective guys that wanted to hire me and and even though he was a challenging client because he was older who wanted younger and he was kind of shorter you know he was a little more challenging but I, I I was running out of money and I said just do it and I you know told him my price which was in the thousands he paid it and on the way home I was like in another dimension I was like I can't believe it <laughs> so that's how I started my own business and now it's been since to that 2010 really and now I have a business partner who's wonderful. Uh, her name's Fredley, and 
she handles the, the money side and I handle the matchmaking and we've been working together uh, in our own company since 2011, but I've known her for almost 20 years. So that's it in a nutshell, how, how I became a matchmaker. <laughs> that's so great. I, I love that because there's, you know, so many different themes kind of, you know, getting over your fear of jumping out onto your own business, which so many, so many women and men too, you know, they're afraid to take that step and really follow their heart. And you did that, you know, that's, it's just such a inspiring story to hear that there can be life, you know, after you, you know, leave a job or get downsized or fired or any of those things. And I always tell friends that are in that situation, you know, usually when you get fired, you're not going to see it as a blessing, but I think 90% of the time it is, you know, and it's going to open the door to something else. And that's exactly what happened for you. And now you're happy and and running a very successful business. So just to, to ask you a little bit more about the matchmaking thing. So now like in this day and age, you know, there's so many sites like plenty of fish match.com. So what can they get working with you that is going to be so much better than dealing with those sites? Yeah, um, so my our, we are specialized. Um, it is the more affluent man. The bit, you know, we've got uh, real estate developers, doctors, attorneys, uh, business owners. You know, the guys that they have the means because we're, we're you know we're more upscale. Um, but they'll come to us because they we do everything for them. It's like outsourcing. You outsource your uh, cleaning your house. You outsource you know, whatever. It's just outsourcing your dating to make it easier so you don't have to sit online on those sites, which can be effective, but it takes a lot of time. You know, you've got to do your profiles, log through, you know, all these other people's profiles, write to them, vet them, meet them. So we, um, I actually meet every client. If I don't meet them in person, because we have out-of-state guys too, and even um, some in Mexico City. So I'll FaceTime with them, get to know them, build a profile, and and know exactly what they want. So if they want kids or if they don't want somebody to have any kids at home or if they're allergic to cats or if they, they own a vineyard, some of our guys own vineyards, they want the girl has to drink wine, you know, or she has to get in my my little, my small two-engine plane when I fly it. So I find out all those things. And then all they have to do is show up on the date. And we make sure all those pieces are in place, the age range, the location, uh, religious background, if that's important, things like that. Um, I even have guys who say, I'm not going to eat, you know, a ve- I'm not going to date a vegan. She's got to have a, a steak with me or, you know, they get really um, specific. So um, so that's a big advantage right there because they're busy. And then for the ladies um, can join the database for free. You can go to my website, MarlaMartinson.com, and there's a place under matchmaking where you can submit um, a profile. And then uh, I'll ask you for some photos and I'll keep it. There, if I don't have anyone for you now, you can be in there for free. And if anybody uh, is a right fit, so you can do that. So it's really a more personalized experience. And you can kind of weed out, you know, some of the crazies and things like that that people can find online. Because it's, you know, a black hole out there, (laughs) you know, sometimes on those sites. Because I've I've done that. I mean, I'm I'm married now, but, you know, I've definitely done the the websites Mm -hmm. and match.com and and meeting people and things like that. So having someone like you in that place has got to be really helpful for 
for people looking yeah, for love. Yeah, it is, and, and I do meet all the women as well, whether it's video chat or, or in person, so I can see that, see, one of the very important things is, just do, does this person look like their photo? Because that's one of the biggest complaints is online, oh, this person, their photo was 20 years old, or they didn't look anything like it, or they misrepresented their weight or their, whatever, age. So I find those things out, and I can say, yes, she's, you know, because some people don't take a good photo either. Even the most attractive people just don't. And uh, so I can say, no, I've seen them, uh, you know, they have the look you like, and and uh, that's so important. And I always encourage anybody, contact me if you want me to look at your pictures. I'll do that for free for you. I'll take a look because people post these photos on, on Match.com or whatever site, and they're so bad. And, and there's, you know, the attractive people, but the angles and the hat and the just different expressions <laughs> we don't see ourselves the way other people do it's very interesting so i'm happy to give a little critique there to help you out because the fo- people are so visual that's the first thing they're going to notice is the photo very important go get some professional photos or have your friend take an iphone and go do a photo shoot together just and then you can pick which ones are the best it's very photos or don't just pick one from some family reunion or something with somebody cropped out or um, you know, in a selfie in the bathroom or something like that. I was going to say that is such great advice because I used to see so many pictures on profiles where there'd be one arm kind of, you know, disembodied, yeah. attached, where someone just cropped, you know, someone out. Or, or I love the guys that would just put, uh, you know, they had the cool picture with the sunglasses on, and I would, I would think, yeah. you know, if I can't see your eyes, you know, forget it. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't know what what some people are thinking, but it's great that there's someone like you to help them with that, especially yes. with the pictures. That's so right. funny. I saw, you... Diane, I saw, on LinkedIn is important too. So I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, right? Connecting. And there was this one guy that we were possibly, we were talking to about signing up, you know, he had contacted us. I looked at his LinkedIn picture and here he has a picture of himself in a suit, you know, a nice picture, but he's, it's a selfie. And you see in the background, there's the shower head of the shower He's clearly in the bathroom. I'm like, you are a business <laughs> owner. Get out of the bathroom. I don't want to see your shower head. It's a business site. So Right. Yeah. Just a little more professional yeah. approach. That, right. That's so funny. Right. So most of the people would you say you work with are, you know, maybe over forty or is it what what would say is yeah. the age? age range that Um, you're working with yeah the age range for the guys lately has been late 40s and then 50s 60s and 70s we have been um getting older now we'll take guys in the 30s and we used to have guys in the 30s somehow lately it's just been the older guys have been uh contacting us so as far as women uh really like mid 30s to late 30s and up and if there's any lovely ladies out there even in your 60s please contact me because we i want to have some more 50s and 60s in the database because we've got some great, great guys in the 60s as well. So, and yeah, I it's love not too late that age range. No, it's not. I have guys in the 70s. Um, I've matched in the past guys in the 80s. Um, it's not. It's never too late to find a love. People want to connect. They want somebody to share their life with, their time with, and so it, it really doesn't. And women, when women say, "Oh," like they're in their 40s or 50s oh all the guys want 20 something but and that's not true it's absolutely not true they don't want the 20s because the 20s are still partying they're in maybe just out of college they don't know what they want sure a 20 something looks great i was you know looking gorgeous when i was in my 20s too yes the look is pretty but that's it it's not going to be a good fit for a 50 you know 40s 50s 
60-year-old man. So that's not what they're looking for. So don't worry. Don't say that to yourself. I hear that from women all the time. It's not true. So don't worry about that. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't get married until 44. I mean, that was just my my personal choice, you know. Yeah. But I always tell, when I tell women that, they're like, wow, like that was so old. I'm like, really? Was that really 30, so old? 34. No, I was 44. I was in my oh, 40s. 44. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's, it's possible, you know, definitely. I don't think that. Oh, that's not people old should... at all. And, and you got to skip out on a first divorce. So, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I totally miss that experience. You know, so I was good. just uh, concentrating on other things and I was working and I was busy. And I mean, just for me personally, like kids wasn't really an issue. Um, I know for some women, if they're really looking to start a family or something like that, you definitely want to get into that game before 44. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's a whole other story. But so what do you think holds people back from true love? Do you think it's just unrealistic expectations? And is, is that part of it? Um, yeah, unreal. I do deal with a lot of unrealistic expectations, which a lot of times is more on the men's side because they're cursed with this, um, you know, they 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 are so visual. I mean, that's just how they're built. For them to get excited sexually, they have to like what they see. So it's like if a, sometimes a woman, if I say, you know, women stay in shape, keep, you know, looking fresh, look good, you know, be feminine. And they're like, well, if he doesn't like the way I, I look already, you know, I don't want to, I wouldn't want a guy like that if he's just interested in my looks. And I'm like, listen, um, a guy is never going to approach a woman at a cocktail party who is totally not his type. He doesn't like her looks wise and say, Hey, I bet you have a beautiful, you know, mind and soul. Uh, you want to go on a date. It's, they have to like what they see first. And that could be, doesn't mean you have to look like a supermodel or be a size two. It just means that, um, you're going to have to be his type for him to be interested at first. So, yeah, so that's what I'm just saying. The guys can get really stuck on a certain weight or hair color or something. So I kind of try to open him up. It's like, look, you know, um, I mean, don't even get picky with the eye color and stuff. So I really do try to open up their hearts and open up their, expand their, their experience by um, getting them on some dates. Maybe because I always tell people, try, try um, to date somebody out of your normal type. And women will get stuck. Where women get stuck is that height. Well, I only date guys six feet and up, or um, and they might be five, two, or three, you know. So, um, well, I'm always in my heels. So I say, well, I hope you have a great, you know, relationship with your heels, or I hope they keep you warm at night because there's great, wonderful men out there uh, who may be five, eight, five, nine, whatever height. And um, I think just challenging yourself. Let's say you do like the tall guys. Say, hey, you know what? I'm on. I'm on. Uh, the dating sites, I'm going to have 10% of the guys I meet be shorter than my usual, you know, uh, requirement and just see what happens because you just never know what, who the universe has for you, who your spirit guys are going to push you towards. So be, right. be open. So that's, that's, so that's true. one of the things. And then also blocks from your past from, um, from as children, did it may be a woman has daddy issues or abandonment issues. How was the relationship with the parents? Did one parent leave? Did, uh, you know, were they bullied a lot in school? There's a lot of issues. Um, I were, had to work through a lot of mine. I was bullied. You know, we all have different things. I had bright red hair, and, and then I'd be called names, and they'd pull the hair out of my head. And so things like that, I think it kind of sticks in there, like I'm, I'm, I'm the weirdo, you know. So <laughs> we've got to get over those things. And there's a lot of different modalities that I work on with my coaching. There's breath work. There's 
um, we're doing shamanic journeys. There's a lot of different um, options that we can do to work on those past blocks and kind of take a look at that and see what maybe we're, um, is blocking us from a great relationship. There's people who continue to pick narcissists or pick, pick the same kind of guy over and over, unavailable men. I have, when I do readings, uh, also some intuitive readings and card readings, and a lot of, I'll get women um, contacting me, oh, I'm dating this guy, but he's living with this other woman, but do you think, does he have feelings for me? Or So the issues with keep being um, attracted to men who are not available is a big issue, too. And I think that's kind of a block in there, thinking, okay, you think you want somebody, but in the back of your mind, you know, it's not really going to happen because he's not available. So there's things that we that's do. That's so, so true. A, yeah, there's a lot lot going on there with, with, the, with all of that. Right. Peeling back all those layers and getting people just to be honest, you know, say what they want, you know, be honest with their photographs and all of that thing. Now, I wanted to ask you, since you are a professional here, you know, you hear the term soulmate and twin flame and all this stuff, you know, thrown around a lot. And I mean, what is your opinion of that? I mean, I think people can yeah. have more than one. You know, there there can't be just one person in the world for each for right. everyone. That's, that's it's such a, um, pop, I know it's such a popular phrase now, but I think letting go of that um, expectation of finding a soulmate, it has to be my soulmate or I'm looking for my twin flame and just concentrate on finding a, the right partner for you, the right person for you. Don't get hung up on that term because we, we do have travel, in my opinion, in soul groups. And there are many people that could be a great fit for you. Let's say I live in Los Angeles. Let's say I was single and I moved to France or I moved to, um, you know, South America or New York. I'm sure I would start dating somebody there and they would be great. So there's probably hundreds or thousands of great fits for us. And it's kind of, I sometimes I feel, oh, it's kind of sad. I won't meet all those cool people, you know, in this lifetime. So there's a lot of, a lot of opportunities and just, just concentrate on finding um, that right person. Now, when you, you're in a difficult relationship, you're, a lot of times I'll say that's uh, a soulmate or a twin flame because you're working out things. Um, they're teaching you. It's the soulmate, especially the twin flame relationship. They're not easy relationships. It's like, oh, they're my, they're my twin flame and we do everything alike and we're, you know, cut our, as Wayne Dyer would say, we cut our carrots alike and we do, you know, <laughs> everything alike. I remember him talking about that once. He goes, your soulmate's going to be the one you want to kill. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's so funny. It's, they're going to be one that's going to teach you some stuff. And I've learned a lot for sure with my husband, like patience. And there's been a lot of big lessons that I'm still working through and learning uh, with him. So um, sure. Yeah, that's my, I think it takes a lot to really know someone. I mean, it can, it can be years. And then just, I think yeah. you're right. Letting go of that, that fairy tale of, yep. you know, always yeah. my soulmate or my, or my twin flame. And I don't even know what that is. Like what, what is a twin flame? Well, is there I a definition for that, or I had <laughs> like, asked does, does it exist? Spirit guide. Yeah, I went to a channel. I go to a channeling um, session, and um, you know, pretty much monthly. And I asked that question to the to the guide that came through, and he was like, "Well, he says, well, a soulmate's usually not one that you're going to want to kill, but a twin flame is." And I said, "Oh, you?" And he, and he goes, "And it's happened." <laughs> so I guess the twin flame is really a really tough. Um, a tough one. I'm gonna have to write a blog post on it and go back and listen to that. Listen to that uh, channeling because I've got it all and I'll, I'll type it up. But, but yeah, I think it's like very, um, very rare. 
And somebody said, I've read this before, that a, a twin flame is like one soul that's split. And then, you, you know, you find each other later, maybe, and they're hard to find. And it's very con- confusing. It's like, you know what, I, I don't know if I, if I want to find that one. Right? Yeah, that's like great. That's interesting. But if you do write yeah. about that in your blog, let me know because I'd, I'd I'd like to yeah, know the yeah, difference. Yeah, I'll, I'll write that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, find, I'll do that. I'm talking with Marla Martinson. She's a matchmaker, dating coach, and also an author of The Buddha Made Me Do It. And we're going to dig into the book a, a little bit more in the next segment. We've got a couple of minutes left here before we take a short break. And just we were talking about Marla's uh, dating business, her, her coaching business, matchmaking um, as well. And, you know, and you've heard us kind of mention uh, maybe energy healing and channeling and that kind of thing. And, and you weave that all in the book, but in your practice as well. I mean, you said that you work with women on, on clearing things and, you know, maybe bringing up some metaphysical topics. I'm just wondering how you do that in your business. If you approach someone that, look, this person's stuck and could maybe use some clearing or, mm-hmm. you know, how do you, yeah, how do you broach it, that with people? Um. Well, okay, This the, here's an interesting one. There's one woman who has been going on a lot of dates, but she really wasn't getting second dates, and um, or maybe she'd get a couple, and then they wouldn't go out with her again. And she's dynamic, and she's in her 40s and attractive and all that. And um, I said, hey, she goes, hey, what am I doing wrong and stuff? And, I, and sometimes it's hard to tell somebody, you know, without them getting the ego in the way or whatever. So with her, I said, hey, do you want to – you want a reading you know i did a I did a card reading and a spread for it it was about 12 minutes i you know did it on on uh audio and i sent it to her and within that reading i gave her the feedback on what she could shift and she was so happy and so thankful and she's going to implement those things right away it was an easier way to take um and also what I'll do is I have this combo. It's very inexpensive. If anybody wants to do it, it's $35. It's on my website under Work With Me. I think it's under Angel Readings under there or Energy Work. And I do a reading with a combo of um, distance energy healing. And then what we do with the energy healing is we'll set aside a time at the same time, and you'll be laying down. Uh, it's, I like to do it in the evening. I tell you, you know, light some candles or whatever, make a nice little space for yourself, lay down. And then I send distance energy healing to to you and I, I do balance the chakras I'll clear some blocks sometimes I'll pick up some things um, and so that's a really nice experience and that's kind of a way to dip your toe and it's always good to, to get some energy healing to clear to release energetic cords if some people can't get an X out of the head or get somebody out of their head it's because we develop whenever we're involved with somebody even uh, it could be intimately sexually but also just emotionally we develop create these energy strands these cords energetic cords that connect us to each right. other and those cutting the cords cut and, yeah cut, clearing the cords and denise lynn has a great book about that i'm listening to her right. audio book about Hold that, that right we're going to take a short break we're going to dive more into this in our next segment talking with marla martinson we'll be right back stay close Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. 
Thanks for joining me after the break. I'm Diane Ray, and thanks for being present with me for a little bit today and joining me for the conversation with Marla Martinson. And if you had a question or if you just wanted to comment and join the conversation, uh, phone lines are open at 816-251-3555 if you'd like to chime in. Now, in the first half of the show, we were talking about Marla's business as a matchmaker and dating coach, and she's been very successful at this, setting people up for love. And you can find her on her website, marlamartinson.com. Um, and then uh, part of uh, the the background of what she does for a living, you know, part of that all kind of weaves in to the story of the book that she's released, The Buddha Made Me Do It, A Field Guide to Enlightenment, which is, is really a fun read. Uh, I really liked it. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun, really entertaining read. And I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's autobiographical, I guess you you would say, but it's not really mm -hmm. like a biography, but you're the main character. In the it's a memoir. It is memoir. Yeah. It's, it's, memoir. It's okay. True. So I mean, all, yeah, I would say, the, yeah. This is your life, right? This this is your mm -hmm. story in the book. Yeah, it's all true. It's, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about some of the things that come up in the story because it's it's so interesting. A lot of the modalities and things that you explore and experiment with in the book or things that I've always been interested in. Um, but you used some of this in your business. And we were talking a little bit about that in the first segment about how you kind of offer um, some of these things that you've studied and, and mastered, you know, energy healing, mm -hmm. uh, crystal healing and angel readings into your matchmaking business and dating mm -hmm. coaching. And I mean, I guess women are probably more open to that than the men. Is that right? Uh, yeah, women do seem to be more open to it, but I, you'd be surprised. Men are, are going and ordering um, angel readings from me and healings and, I, and a lot of repeat ones um, that have been doing it. So, uh, But they, these are guys who are into it. They're, these are guys who listen to Coast to Coast. They're, listen, they're guys who are interested in the paranormal stuff, the, you know, all of that spiritual um, stuff alternative stuff and they they those guys love it and they'll even i've had guys i have a guy that bought um, bought a session for his wife i had a guy buy a session for his mother uh reading and a healing so i'm loving that that there's these these men that are open to it too they're not the high-powered businessmen that are my clients that are doing this so these are more guys who are more you know they could be a musician or more creative type or whatever they're just they're not the high like a high litigators or things like that no they, they probably need it most but <laughs> <laughs> that's true but of most healing. of the ceos yeah. i guess or like the corporate guys maybe not not so much but there are a lot more men than we might yeah. think there's that men, are open there, there and men. yeah mm -hmm. well that's great yeah i think i think more people are open to these kinds of things maybe now more so than ever you know people are mm -hmm. open to experimenting with with some of these other things and now you've been doing some energy healing and, and crystal healing for a while and i believe like you described in the book that you learned from deborah king oh she was one of my teachers i did her online courses yep she's phenomenal and i went and saw her in person too and then i've uh have a reiki master cat Lowe here in los angeles that i studied with and then there's a healer uh, in Los Angeles called Zarathustra, who I got certified with for fifth dimensional quantum healing. I got also Reiki for animals, um, done uh, certification for uh, like me channeling. And I, I'm kind of like a certification junkie. Now I just finished James von Prague's uh, spiritual life coach uh, 
thing. And, you know, I, so I'm constantly adding more and more. But I started my first one was with uh, my Reiki master, Kat Lowe. I, I studied Reiki with her and then just kept going. And um, I found that, you know, you can really kind of create your own style. I don't stick to, like, if people know Reiki, okay, you put your hands here and you do these symbols and things. And I, I just really let it flow through me and, and do it by intuition, what people need and where I want to go and the energy flows through and, and everybody can do it. We're all energetic beings. We're all connected. We can all tap in and, and uh, you know, play with that, play with the energy between your hands and feeling your energy field and try to feel the energy around the crystals and things. And it's really fascinating. It's, I just love playing with the energy. No, I think it's fascinating, too. I've had a couple of Reiki treatments that were really transformative. And I went into it as a total skeptic as well, because I didn't think energy healing was was possible, because you just don't see it. But I definitely felt mm -hmm. things moving and energy moving around. So it can be really powerful. And, and people should, you know, don't, don't just, just say, oh, no, this isn't going to work and just kind of toss it aside before you really take a look at it. Because we are energetic yeah, speaking, beings. You know, it makes total speaking sense. Of, yeah, speaking of Deborah King, she tells the story of how she had uh, cancer. I think it was in her 20s. She was a high-powered attorney, and she was smoking and drinking and blah, blah, blah. And she ended up with cancer. And then she said, she asked her doctors, how long do I have before I really have to do some kind of, you know, traditional, <clears throat> you know, heal stuff? And they said, oh, you have a few months. So she went and went uh, on the table of an energy healer. And I think I think she said on her third session, she was um, healed. I mean, it just was like a miraculous, re re you know, remission. And she and then she said how she couldn't believe it. She goes, how did this happen? And how can I help other people? And then she went all around the world, India, here, there studying and learning. And that's now she's a master and master teacher and she she teaches other people but that's how it happened to her it was she was not a woo-woo person and she got on the table and had a miraculous healing so and not to say that everybody who has cancer is going to get you know energy healing is going to get cured but it can happen uh it can just different things can happen you you, you just never know you know what, what could happen right that's so true i mean personally if i had a diagnosis like that a real you know, catastrophic or dire diagnosis, I would certainly be open to everything Western medicine has to offer, but I would, you know, explore a lot of these other, other things too, and right. just try every weapon that I had, you know, in the arsenal to, to help me with that. Now I want to talk a and little bit are, about angels. Oh, okay. okay. No, okay. go ahead, go ahead. And then we can jump <laughs> well, into I angels because I want to get into that okay, next. I, yes. I just wanted to add that they are um, using Reiki in hospitals and operating rooms all around the country. So it does help. Um, it helps even like after chemotherapy, it kind of helps the symptoms. It helps um, the doctors in the in the operating rooms. It helps uh, calm down and and clear the the nurses and the you know the staff at hospitals. So they are using it um, in hospitals now. So which is a great great thing as a, as a complementary um, modality. All right. So yeah, I think I think that's a, no. I think that's amazing. It's it's so true. And I also saw something recently about using acupuncture and pressure points in the military, like actually out in the field. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Excellent. they're having amazing amazing results with that. So I think the the traditional medical community is kind of opening themselves up to learning about that and and using mm -hmm. it, which I think is amazing. 
Um, so yeah, let, yeah. let me jump into angels <laughs> because <All right. laughs> I love, I love what you share in the book. And I mean, I just, you know, I would love to see one. Why have I not seen an angel? Am I just not, not open to it? To Am I not, too, Diane. <laughs> Am I not paying attention? <laughs> what what am I doing wrong? But in the book, you, so, you share a story yeah. of, of an experience you had with an angel you call Mirth. So tell us a little uh-huh. bit about Mirth and about that experience. Yeah, so um, early on in the book, I think chapter three or so, uh, Julie, who is my cohort, uh, my like BFF in the book uh, that goes through this with me, uh, she brings over to my house. My husband's at work because he would have flipped out if he saw this going on, but he works nights. He's an entertainer. So she comes over one night and brings two big communication boards. Now, people would call them Ouija boards, but Ouija is a trademark and it's a certain, you know, board. But these were just a bo- you know, big board with the alphabet on it with some beautiful mystical images. And she goes, look what I brought. So, you know, we sit down in the, in my, in my, um, I have a home office, which is like my little sanctuary. It's all magical. So we sit down, put candles and stuff, and she brought this little round wooden game piece to use as a planchette. Now, neither of us had ever tried this before. We didn't know what to expect, but we said, you know, said a little protection prayer, and then we said, you know, put our fingers on it and said, is any, you know, anybody here (laughs) wants to talk to us? And first, this kind of trickster came on, this energy. It was like he called himself... um, uh, he wouldn't tell us his name. Um, I forgot now what it was, but he wouldn't say. So we're like, you won't say your name? And he's, you know, he's like, for me. And he was spelling it. We're like, what are you doing? Just watching, whatever. He he was fine. We're like, well, you sound pretty nice, but, you know, why don't you get out of here? Because, you know, you're not bringing anything. So um, that was kind of cool. Then the next night she came back. We tried it again. That same trickster came on. And uh, then we're like, okay, can you leave? Is anybody else here that's a guide or anything? And then the the letters were went, our planchette was moved. It moved. We were like in shock because it was moving. You know, we were not moving it. And it moved to spell A-N-G-E-L. And I went, angel? What? You're an angel? And she's like, yes. And then we, I got the name. It was, she spelled out Merther. And Julie goes, look it up, look it up. So I looked it up, and it was an old uh, Welsh na- uh, word name that meant martyr. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And then she says, just call me Mirth. And so we were in contact with Mirth um, every time we'd be on there. And then I said, Mirth, I want to talk to you by myself. I want to be able to go on the board and talk alone. So I bought some boards of my own, could not uh, do it al- alone. So I was desperate for anybody to grab their finger to help me to talk to her, you know, because Julie couldn't come over all the time. And my husband was getting really mad and people were getting irritated. Like, what do you, and I even tried to get my dog to put her paw on it, you know, <laughs> and because when I asked, why can't I do it alone? She spelled out energy, it wasn't the right energy. So I was like, okay. So I was doing all this research and I befriended um, a wonderful gal called Karen Dahlman, who is a Ouijaologist. Uh, she lives in Orange County in California. She's written books on it. She knows everything about the Ouija over 40 years. And so we, I started communicating with her, and we became friends, and she was helping me. And, and then um, I started getting the energetic attunements. I started getting Reiki. I, started get, I got this attunement from Deborah King at one of her events. I got these attunements, and it was uh, enabled me that energy. Uh, one night, I kept trying every night for about 15 minutes, and one night, I, the planchette started moving and Mirth started talking to me and it was so wonderful. And, uh, we, you know, she just 
so uplifting. Tell me how much she loves me. God loves you. You have many angels around, you know, things like that. People get all scared. It's not, she's not saying, you know, go jump off a cliff or do this or break up. You know, she, it's just loving messages. We're here. And if you need some support, they don't tell you what to do. So it was great. And then um, I wanted to, I told Karen, uh, we started doing these videos um, called the Women of Ouija on, on YouTube. We did about 60 of them. And uh, we both said, let's let's get off the board and start channeling directly. So I told Martha, I said, I want to get off the board. I want to just hear and channel. And so I put my, I go on my computer and bring up a Word document, and I can hear and type up messages now. And then I started offering it because people wanted readings. So I, you know, it's $25. I, I give readings. If somebody wants one, it's really fun. And now then Mirth left. But then the second angel came in. His name's Thomas. And Mirth disappeared for a while, and now Thomas is always here. Thomas gives the readings with me, and I'm like, where's Mirth? And he's like, well, and now Mirth came back. Uh, so it's interesting. Sometimes I'd say, where is she? And, she, and then Mirth would come back, she'd say, I was with God. Um, or we were having a meeting about you. So it's very interesting. They, if they're your team, you know, they'll, they'll have meetings about you. They'll, they'll, they'll sometimes be with God. They're, they're there. We all have guardian angels and we could tap in now i've never seen one i'd love to see one too you have to you know have a third eye that's open i guess i don't, I don't know i'd like to see see it but maybe i still will i would definitely I, yeah i mean i, I would definitely like to see it yeah i mean so there's so there's a couple of things that i, I would definitely want to ask you about with this so when i was reading the book and you know you brought up the the boards i mean there's so much you know fear and misconception and Right. about the whole Ouija board thing. And, you know, and like you said, the Ouija board, I mean, it's a game, right? Parker Brothers makes it. Um, like there's the, well, they made it the label, game, right? It's not a game. For me, it's not a game. It's a, it's a sacred tool that you use. It's a tool that you have to be respectful of. It's not a game. But but they made it into it. I can't believe they, you know, sell it to kids. Um, I You have to, you know, know what you're doing. Because if you sit there and, and you know, joke with spirits or make fun of them or you have to be respectful if you're going to talk to 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 a spirit or an angel or a guide on there you know hello you're, you're going to say goodbye thank you you want to maybe say a prayer of protection before you do it call in uh, i call an archangel michael to be here i don't really need to do that now because i you know, but but you don't just go oh hey and don't you know you shouldn't be drinking alcohol trying this so it, it's it is a divination tool like any other tool it's just a piece of cardboard with some letters on it. So it's not a portal to hell. It's not, uh, it, people, uh, it got, you know, it was very popular um, in the 1800s uh, talking boards when we had the, 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 the Civil War or, or sicknesses. A lot of people were dying, and every family had people who were uh, had passed away, and they were desperate to have some communication. Abraham Lincoln's wife, Pat Mary Todd, she had seances in the White House. They had Ouija board. Um, there's a lot of history. The guy who developed uh, AA, um, I'm just blanking on his name now, he got the idea on, on a Ouija board. Um, Esther Hicks, you know, Channels Abraham, they started uh, on a Ouija board. And Jane Roberts started, met Seth on a Ouija board. So um, it's, it's not scary, but people, Hollywood has really done a number. The Exorcist really done a number. Uh, religion has really done a number on it. And it's people are scared that sometimes they're not going to let go of those fears because people always say, don't do it, it's scary, or they had a bad experience. For me, it's just been wonderful. My friend Karen loves it. I have a lot of friends who are really into it, the history of it, the beautiful different kind of boards, the artwork, um, the connection. 
so for me, it's, it's just a tool like any other, whether you pick up a pendulum, whether you're scrying in a mirror or a crystal ball or whatever, mediumship. Uh, but for a lot of people, they're going to hold on to that fear. And, you know, that's fine. I, I'm not here to uh, change anybody's mind, but I, I'm just here to share uh, in my book my experience about it. Um, and right. That, and, and, that you're, really and in enjoy. the book, what... Yeah, the way you share it, it's not a scary situation at all. Although a lot of people no. that may be brought up in a traditional Christian tradition, you know, they would yeah. they would freak out, I guess, to hear that. And, <laughs> you know, and they're warned against using it and all that. But, you know, that leads me to ask you, like, what do you think about, is there really, I mean, I don't really believe there's like a devil with horns and, you know, pitchfork and all of that. But, I mean, I think there are truly some, some evil people out there. Right, I mean, what do you think right. about that? Is it possible to? I think to... that the devil is a Christian. It's a Christian deity. It's a Christian. Um, I, you know that. Uh, I, I I believe that they really had to have that to keep pe- you talk about that a lot to keep people in line. You know, the early Christian church they they took the pagan uh, traditions and they they kind of wanted to shut all that down and they they mix some of it in, but they really want to scare people and say if you don't, you're going to go to hell if you do this, and um, they pay pay money not to go to hell. You know. The, forgot the name, but they'd pay the church would charge money to, you know, so you'll go to heaven. And it, there was a whole racket around it, you know, if, if you'd look into the history. So I think it's it's just more to scare people. Um, yeah, there's lower energy for sure. Um, but I don't think about it, think about the devil is coming or it, because I'm, I'm always doing, you know, my energy work. I'm working with angels. I'm, uh, you know, putting out good thoughts, uh, prayers. Um, working in the light, I don't have any of this this dark stuff. Now, there is a chapter in there where I talk about this heavy lower energy that comes in through my crown chakra and comes, and then I went to get them cleared, and and my spiritual teacher, Tahita, had cleared, so you've got 10 attachments, and I had had some physical, you know, manifestations of that, of my stomach, my arm, different things, but um, then they were cleared. They went away. I did feel something come in, but then when now later, that was like 2014. But now the the high guide I'm working with through this channeler, he says, well, you know what? Sometimes uh, our guides, your guides, your, your own spirit guides, want to get your attention, and that that so that could have been, you know, that really got my attention. They'll do things. They'll touch you. Sometimes I'll feel a touch at night. Um, I've seen sometimes I'll wake up. And I'm somebody standing at the end of my bed. It's like a man is standing there, and I scream, and I look, and then he's gone. And I kind of seen it probably through my third eye. I think it's just my guide, and it freaked me out. So they're they're around us. There's always you know love, these loved ones, spirit guides, angels. There's a lot going on uh, in the other dimension, just right around us that we can't even see, but they're there. So it's it's it's. I think I think it's super exciting. We're just in this heavy, dense body, dense lower frequency. So we can't see all that stuff, but some people can. Some people have their third eye completely open or they're in a different kind of frequency. And then the, those mediums or psychics or something, they can sometimes see uh, spirit guides and stuff. But, um, you know, I never would have thought of that about before. Before all this happened to me, I used to, like, listen to Doreen Virtue, and she'd be talking about, oh, yeah, the angels are telling me this or the angels. And I loved her, but I thought, come on, really? Angels, you're, they're talking to you. They're telling you this to tell. Really? And then um, even though I wanted to believe it, I was very skeptical. And then once it happened to me and Merce started communicating, and then when I'm giving people messages and they email me back, oh, my God, that was spot on. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for that message. That's exactly 
what's happening or so then I, I've had a lot of confirmations now over the years I have so many emails I keep them all and so because even me I'm like oh god I hope this is right I hope this resonates I hope they like you know I hope it's good and um and it, it so is. So we all do have so. that ability, you think, to, um, you know, contact other other realms or other levels of consciousness. But, you know, most of us, like 95% of the people don't don't bring it into their into their world or don't, yeah. don't work on it or put attention on it. So they're not going to be able to make those kinds of connections. Yeah. And I think what's important, at least what, for me, it was that energy. So if you're really interested in, in this, working with this go get um get attuned with reiki start working with energy get some energetic attunements uh, maybe clear up your diet you don't want to be if you're drinking using drugs smoking um uh, eating a lot of junk food diet drinks um processed foods that can fluoride you know uh, i took out the fluoride i don't you know the toothpaste um different things like that you can look on youtube and find out how well in my book it talks about how to clean up those things there's even recipes in the back that's important to clear try to clear your third eye and clean up your energy because we're an energetic system we want to have that so if we're constantly bombarding it with with uh, lower frequency um, foods and, and substances that can block although there are I've met some amazing mediums and psychics who are maybe not in the best shape and you can see they're eating some junk you know so it's not a blanket statement but for me, if I have eaten some junk or if I did have a couple glasses of wine, the next day I'm, I'm probably not going to feel good to channel my angel or to do some magical work because it just makes me, lowers my frequency. That's for me. Um, so I try to keep a, right. pretty, a plant-based, clean diet and then get exercise, fresh air, you know, your, your meditation, prayer. There's a lot of things to do, which I, I do kind of lay out in the, in the Buddha made me do it for people if you want to get into that. Yeah, check it out. And I like how you put yeah. some of those uh, recipes and tips in the back of the book. That was really fun. I think I'm, I might want to try that. There's some chocolate recipes in here that, you know, that caught my eye, like the, the chocolate walnut yeah. fudge recipe. You know, the, those everything's like, healthy. It would and, be a lot of fun. Yeah, and delicious. <laughs> yeah. So and you meant so you mentioned channelers, too. So we've kind of covered Ouija boards, angels. Let, let's just talk a little bit about channeled works. Um, because that comes up a lot in the book. And you mentioned that um, one book that was really a big influence for, for you growing up was uh, Esther Hicks, Esther and Jerry Hicks and the Abraham material. Um, you mentioned an encounter with Paul Selig, who does some channeling. And and actually, and you yeah. said that you felt that you were kind of channeling um, some type of, of of information or energy or something like that. I mean, that would flip me out for sure if, if I felt well, that happening, Paul, you know. Yeah. Paul Selig, I met him originally because of my YouTube channel. Um, you guys can look just look me up, Marla Martinson, YouTube, and then um, I do this show called Con Cosmic Conversations. I've got like 450 videos on all these kind of subjects with experts, so you'll love that. And Diane, who's going to be up there tonight. <laughs> um, so Paul Selig, I, I interviewed him for each of his books so far, um, and that's how I met him. And then I, I, he's a channel. He's a very interesting channel because he's a, I went to Yale University. He's a professor at Goddard College. He was an atheist. He's a, you know, just like this kind of gruff, almost grumpy at times. He'll even say, I'm a curmudgeon, you know, not a woo-woo guy. You would never look at him in a million years, think he's, oh, this guy's a channeler, you know. He's very, just an earthy, you know, guy from New York. And uh, he he had ended up um, 
channeling with the harmonic conversion was in the late 80s. He went up on the rooftop of his house, uh, his New York apartment with a crystal and sat there and he had like this kundalini awakening and, and ended up studying some energy work and started seeing lights around people. And then he started channeling these guides and he channels in a very unusual way. You can look him up, Selig, S-E-L-I-G, Paul Selig. So I went to one of his events in Los Angeles. I think it was a two-day workshop and, and he did, uh, we could go up at one point and ask a question and he was so interesting because he kind of comes he can become you he can kind of get into he had like my facial expressions and he was saying what was in my mind what I was thinking and it was amazing and then he goes can I approach you and I'm like sure and he, and he started taking off from a certain distance and we were all sitting in a big circle and I was in the middle there and standing he took off some energy all of a sudden I feel a whoosh of cold air running off me and then somebody said, oh, I saw some black, dark smoke coming off you in the back. It was so, it, it was like, oh, my gosh. He goes, yeah, that's, that's releasing old stuff, you know, when you feel cold. And it was just amazing. And, um, yeah, I had so many experiences that I share. I share one, one even uh, seeing my dad on the astral plane. He came into my bedroom inside of the edge of my bed. Um, and then... The channel, yeah, the channel. I'm a channel, like I'm a channeler junkie. I love listening to Cry On and, you know, Lee Carroll channels Cry On and Paul Selig and uh, Bashar, um, Daryl Anka who channels Bashar. Talk about a lot of those. And you can see a lot of these the um, on YouTube. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was great to see all these names pop up. And I mean, I've seen uh, yeah. Paul Selig do his thing. You can definitely check that out on YouTube. He's got a lot of videos up there. Um, Bashar mm -hmm. does as well. And even some old stuff like the 70s, you know, Jane Roberts and Seth material. Jane it's Roberts. So, interesting. so interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's been so cool to talk with you. I mean, this this hour has just flown by. Um, I want people <laughs> to stuff. definitely check out your website, MarlaMartinson.com, uh, either for some dating advice or if Maybe they see an angel or get an intuitive hit. They can tell you about it and let you know. Because I, I know you'd be interested, it. you know, just like I would be interested. So um, I'm sure our paths will cross again. So MarlaMartinson.com, uh, join her for uh, some coaching as well. And Marla, it's been so and great I, to, to I talk with to you say, today. Diana, I just want to, to say, everybody, um, you can get a free, get down, you can download a free. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.